This morning, Senator Bernie Sanders is making it official. Together, you and I and our 2016 campaign began the political revolution. Now it is time to complete that revolution and implement the vision that we fought for. Sanders sent this message to his massive list of supporters, letting them know he's getting back in the ring. And the election madness is underway. Yeah, it's happening. Did you see the Amy Koblikar's announcement for presidency? My grandpa worked 1,500 feet underground in the mines up north on the Iron Range. He never graduated from high school. He saved money in a coffee can in the basement to send my dad to college. Minnesota. She's from Minnesota. Responds to Trump because she's had a working class family and, uh, you know, she's from the Midwest. And I guess last time the Democrats neglected the Midwest, so... And what's the name of the California lady who is... Oh, Kamala Harris. Yeah, she's Mokes Pot, right? (laughs) (laughs) Kamala Harris was state attorney of California. She's put a lot of people away throughout her career, but apparently now she's down with the kids and is for legalization of marijuana. I mean, of course she she lives in California. She was talking about how, yes, she smoked pot. What were you listening to when you was high? Uh, (laughs) What was on? What song was Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah, definitely Snoop. Uh Uh-huh. Tupac, Tupac. for sure. As it turns out, somebody did the math, and it didn't work out because she graduated in 1987. There's no Tupac or Snoop. Oh, Snoop Dogg. I think Doug Doug Headwood was like, shit, that must have been some good weed. (laughs) She got transported in time. (laughs) Yeah, she was listening to the underground shit. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, her dad disowned her because her dad's Jamaican. How dare you connect Jamaican people to drugs? <laughs> what? Really? Yeah, I don't know. It's like, of course, Jamaicans and marijuana are connected. <laughs> I think that's a little racist, fam. Um, um, Bernie's also on the ticket, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, there was this article about if Bernie was a woman. If Bernie uh, was a woman. Yeah, 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 yeah. He would win, of course. Like he would win. Huh? And it's like this little democratic fantasy. Yeah, she would be brown and Bernie. That would be even better. Like if Bernie would be a brown woman, right? If Bernie uh, would be Kamala Harris, but not Kamala Harris. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's all you need. Do you think Bernie gets high? Mm, maybe he used to. Maybe he used to. He's from Vermont. I think he might be too old. He could have a heart attack. <laughs> they were asking these Bernie bros or whatever, some supporters, like, so do you think that you would support Bernie now? And they were like, um, uh, now we really want someone that can serve two terms. Two terms. I was like, shit, that's cold. <laughs> Welcome to the political revolution. On the race. Oh, Cory Booker. Cory Booker. Of course. I mean, that was the obvious. Most yeah, obvious. yeah. He's been doing this thing where he doesn't talk about Trump in his speeches. I don't know if that's still going on. For a while, he was like, I'm not going to be the anti Trump candidate. I'm not going to be defined by. And I said, What I have to say in response is, I said, Hey, I love you, Donald Trump. I don't want you to be my president, but I will never let your mean words pull me so low as to hate you. I'll do everything I can to stop you from being president, but I will never, ever hate you. But let's be real. Like, is Trump going to get reelected? Probably. Probably. Like, the Democrats are still talking about Michael Cohen. Like, like I feel like that's why Trump is going to get reelected, because we haven't still yet gotten over the trauma that he was elected president of the United States. Right. The des- desperation is getting really, really 
weird and ugly. Like the New York Times has this like opinion column of the woman who wrote the Hillary Clinton biography saying like, uh, maybe these online apps that p help you publicly shame people is going to help us get the vote out in 2020. Right? It's like, let's make like public shaming sexy so we can... <laughs> so, so the Democrats can get... We're younger. not fucking tonight if you don't tell me that you're not going to vote for Trump. Welcome to episode 15 of Shit Platypus Says, your one-stop shop for the symptomology, necrology, and epidemiology of the left. My name is Pamela Noyales, and I'll be joined soon by my co-host Laura Rojas. We'll sit down with our London member, Ephraim Karlbach, to talk about the recent crack-up in British politics. Earlier this month, eight MPs broke off from the Labour Party to form what they're calling the Independent Group. Since then, they've been joined by three former members of the Tory party. We talk about the emergence of a new centre in the UK and the response by the left to the split. So stay put. So first, I guess, we have to contextualize this quite broadly, right? A part of the crisis of neoliberalism and what's happening with Brexit in Britain. So why did this split from the Labour Party happen now? What's been going on? Yeah, Ephraim, tell us. So there have been kind of perennial discontents with Corbyn's leadership from uh, Blairite, older uh, Labour Party MPs who are not happy with the direction of the party. And, you know, some of the reasons that are being talked about for this split are some of the kind of perennial issues that have been brought up ever since Corbyn became leader of the Labour Party. Anti-Semitism, uh, stance on international issues like Russia, Venezuela, um, also the threat of uh, deselection or reselection of MPs by, you know, increasingly uh, left-wing local party branches. But really the main thrust is the Brexit crisis mm -hmm. and the kind of ongoing saga of trying to get a deal through Parliament right. and what Labour's position on Brexit is going to be. So the deal was voted down in Parliament. Um, there was this motion uh, for voter no confidence, but the government won. So there will be no general election. And that's about all I know, though. So what, what has happened in, the, in between and until now? Mm. So the Labour Party kind of position on Brexit, and you'd hear it kind of repeated umpteen times, coming out of their conference back in uh, the autumn of 2018, was an attempt to uh, bring together the conflicting positions within the Labour Party. It was trying to keep everyone on board. And the position was that... Labour had these six demands, um, which any deal that Theresa May brought back would have to meet. Mm -hmm. And if it didn't meet those demands, then they would vote the deal down. The demands were... Um, A bit intense and ridiculous, right. right? It was like, there is no way any deal could ever meet these demands. Right. Um, so it was implied that then we would necessarily go to the next stage. The next stage of what they planned was that they would then try and get a general election, mm -hmm. right? They want a Corbyn government, that they want to have a general election and that that's how they'll deal with this crisis. 
So as you were saying, Pam, they had this vote of no confidence, but of course the government won. Mm -hmm. And so there is not going to be a general election um, or not following from that anyways. And the next stage was this kind of slightly more ambiguous fudge, which is, well, if we don't get a general election, all options are on the table and we will could push for a second referendum Mm -hmm. right and that was the kind of bone that Corbyn threw to the second referendum people in the Labour Party Mm -hmm. Um, this is the people's vote the people's vote campaign Mm -hmm. and what happened was we got to this stage and Corbyn didn't start pushing for a second referendum Mm -hmm. in fact he actually tacked the other way Mm. okay so he changed the six conditions and he said to Theresa May Labour will vote through your deal if we can make changes, five changes to the political declaration, which is a non-legally binding part of the agreement with the EU that talks about what a future relationship might look like. <laughs> this is this is a little tricky. So there's the deal, the deal that May is working on that goes back to Brussels. That that's not gonna change. Right. That that is the exit deal the UK leaving the EU. And then there's this political declaration, which is basically an internal document to the UK, and it's something that the parties need to agree on. Is that right? Right. Mm -hmm. And for the uh, people in the Labour Party who want a second referendum, this was like shock horror. Um, They were devastated that Corbyn didn't follow this like step by step, now we support a second referendum. Um, but actually seemed to tack the other way. And there was an important moment where Corbyn had a meeting with Theresa May to discuss possible ways forward to get a deal through Parliament, which would require Labour support, possibly. And he went to this meeting, not with his Brexit secretary, Keir Starmer, who's a kind of, would be described as like a Blairite Remainer. Mm -hmm. Um, But he went with his two closest political, personal political advisers, who are both kind of lexiteers. Mm-hmm. And this was really seen as like sidelining and Corbyn outmaneuvering the kind of uh, second vote people in the Labour Party. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was really, so that happened last week and that was really the impetus towards why now? Why mm-hmm. are they splitting now? Because these are the people that, the Blairites that have split and this is part of their discontent, the little... Yeah. wrote this kind of thing as a result of this this yeah so like one of the ringleaders of the uh the new group that split away is chaka omuna who um was going to who was part of the people's vote campaign mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. um prominent supporter of a second referendum mm-hmm. in order to oppose and stop brexit and he came out after corbyn sort of tacked towards Brexit and towards doing a deal with Theresa May and said, this is devastating. And, you know, so it's these same people who have walked out of the Labour Party now. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and these are called the Gang of Seven. Well, they're calling them the Gang of Seven. I mean, <laughs> I think it's in part because there was an earlier split in the Labour Party in 1981 um, the the former right, Social this, Democratic Party, and they used to call those people the, the gang, gang of Four after 
gang of four. Uh, <laughs> not the band. Google or it. the Chinese. <laughs> uh, well, yes, the Chinese. Um, anyway, so th- that's that's the epithet, right? That, that they're, they're a throwback or something. Mm. It's a great lack of imagination on the part of the British press. Yes. <laughs> but, so they're called the independent group, though. They yes. call themselves the independent group. Yeah. And they had this big cr- press conference yeah. uh, yesterday yeah. in terms of recording. Yeah, yeah. One of the MPs, uh, Mike Gapes, uh, I guess he represents this parliamentary constituency of Ilford South, which I, I don't quite know. Like what? As an American, I have no idea what that means. But um, Essex. Oh, right. <laughs> Essex. That helps. Okay. Um, he he. It was really interesting. He's this big white guy, and he's talking about he is really hard for him. He's got a lot of friends in the Labour Party. He's got a lot of friends around the world that are connected to the Labour Party and it's very difficult for him to leave to leave the party. He joined the Labour Party in 1968 wow. uh, and he was the branch secretary of the local branch of Young Socialists wherein he remembers that he was fighting the good fight against the Trotskyists. <laughs> um, so what? What? <laughs> so well, why did Trotskyism matter? Why is he saying that at the press conference? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean... Bringing up the term, you know, trots entering the Labour Party and fighting against them is, is part of this kind of perennial concern about um, the Corbyn leadership and how the Labour Party is changing and being taken over by these people. As a kind of interesting side note, on the same day that this split happened, um, Derek Hatton, who was one of the leaders of Militant mm-hmm. and kicked out of the Labour Party in the 80s, was rejoined to the Labour Party. Right? So mm-hmm. it kind of has mm-hmm. that, oh, it's all coming back again. It's mm-hmm. the 80s again. But the thing about Mike Gapes is like going hearkening back to the 60s. Mm-hmm. So the Young Socialists was a organization set up by the Labour Party in 1960 um, in order to tap youth energy. Really, um, Labour had lost three elections in a row and they were really struggling politically. And the whole CND thing was going on. There was a lot of young protest movement. And the Young Socialist was an attempt to kind of bring this into the Labour Party. Right. CND? The Campaign for Nuclear Disarmament. Right, which is huge. Uh, which was, yeah, the famous marches to Aldermaston. Um, and so that group grew really quickly. And they had branches all over the country. The and Young Socialists. The Young Socialists. And Trotskyist organisations went in and tried to take it over. Um, this came out in your interview. It's called entryism. <laughs> this comes up in the interview with Ian Birchall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the um, Tony Cliffs organization, the International Socialists, mm-hmm. were one of the groups that went in to the Young Socialists, mm-hmm. tried to get leadership, had an alliance with the Grantites, a different mm-hmm. Trotskyist group, um, and that's really how the kind of the forerunner of the Socialist Workers Party kind mm-hmm. of got started in the UK. But Mike Gapes was fighting those Trotskyists. Mike Gapes was fighting those Trotskyists. <laughs> and, but it really worked for Labour, and they won the 1964 general election. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the kind of young socialists is this, going back to this crisis of the 60s, a crisis of the Labour Party having not won three elections in a row, we do feel to be in a kind of similar situation. Mm-hmm. And what was interesting that um, I think Mike Gapes and also one, one or two of the others referred back to um, the Harold Wilson governments Mm -hmm. of the Labour Party in the 1960s. Mm -hmm. 
And they were like, well, this is the kind of Labour Party that we wanted to join and that we first got excited about, that we were kids in the 60s and we supported Harold Wilson's government. And that was part of this kind of um, moving right of the Labour Party in the early 60s, that it was, um, you know, the attempt to, the first attempt to get rid of Clause 4, this nationalisation clause in the Labour Party. Can you explain that Clause 4? I always forget. It always comes up too, though. Yeah, so the Clause 4 was a part of the Labour Party's founding constitution um, and it basically said that committed the Labour Party to the nationalisation of major industries. Okay. And in, the, in 1960 there was an attempt by Hugh Gateskill to write it out of the Labour Party uh, constitution. It was defeated. This was like the struggle of the left. Mm. Okay. And then famously Tony Blair rewrote it in uh, 1995. Mm-hmm. Okay. as part of his transformation of the Labour Party into new mm-hmm. Labour. Okay. So this is kind of, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's always a contentious point for the left. Like. There's been talk of nationalisation of certain industries, no? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember in the last um, Labour Party conference, um, you mentioned in your report that, that people were excited in the Labour Party about the nationalisation mm-hmm. of water and these kinds of things. That and there are various groups within the Labour Party who campaign to bring back Clause 4. I see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. okay, so this is one one person among this group of seven. Now, is he also then considered a disaffected Blairite? Or is he... A... He is. I mean, what's interesting about like our current moment and the crisis of neoliberalism is that everyone's talking about class again. Mm-hmm. Right, even mm-hmm. if you're um, a Blairite, so they really played up like I'm from a working class background. They right. talked about their identities yes. a lot, so it's this kind of like attempt to deal with the way that the crisis of democracy and the crisis of neoliberalism is this question of the voting of patterns of the working class changing. Mm-hmm. Right, and this is precisely the working class who voted for Brexit. Right, exactly, mm-hmm. and and Labour Party supporters and this question of like how should the Labour Party keep its Brexit supporting base with while its leadership or the the at least these people who split the MPs are against Brexit and how does it keep the support it's got from kind of middle class liberals in London who oppose Brexit as well and also want a people's vote right and if you poll like momentum um a very high percentage, like 70-80% will, will back Remain. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, mm. But that's not all of them, right? So that's they're... not all of them. Mm-hmm. But so they presented themselves as in this kind of mashup of neoliberal identity politics with this like, we are working class. Uh, we are the real Labour Party mm-hmm. in a certain way. Yes, um, yeah. So they are trying to kind of to grasp that mantle. So, you know, Mike Gates is one of the older ones and he has this uh, background of political activity coming out of the 60s, but he really is formed as an MP uh, in the 90s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. And it's the Tony Blair Labour Party. Yeah, I, I was reading um, in the Weekly Worker, the CPGB uh, organ, that, you know, they, they see this as an occasion to set it free from the Blairites, right? That mm-hmm. they, they see the split as an occasion to um, bring back the, the Labour Party to its working class roots. And, you know, from, from an outsider perspective, I guess it's unclear to me how the Labour Party 
is this working class organization. And um, yeah, so I thought that we might use this split as an occasion to understand how the left uh, in the UK sees the Labour Party and how it understands its own political strategy in relationship to the party. Hmm. What What is your take on the, the left's response to the split? You know, before Corbyn became leader of the party, it was actually quite different the way that the left related to the mm. Labour Party, mm. right? Mm-hmm. It was, it didn't, what I've seen the shift is Corbyn just like drew and absorbed the entire left, the parliamentary left. That was a term that you used to mm-hmm. use. But right, it was like a term that was used quite often when I lived in London, well, it was 2012, 2013, 2014. And mm. like what I've seen now that I'm not there though is the sort of this massive switch that has happened since since Corbyn. So I just wanted to sort of say that yeah. this, this this obviously has a longer history about how the left relates to labor, but it has changed. It's in a different wave now since Corbyn. Yeah. Um, but and now, of course, how they respond to it now, it's very much influenced by Corbyn's presence. It, it's going to, I mean, right now, it's really easy to forget that point, mm-hmm. that there actually was a different character to the left, mm-hmm. um, even, as you're saying, when you were living in London five, six years ago. Yeah. Um, and the project at the time was left unity, right. right? An attempt to have a different party, mm-hmm. um, and that's what the kind of CPGB were working in. Um, but I, I mean, I think one interesting point in that Weekly Worker article is where at the beginning they're talking about um, how a, a split of neoliberal Blairites MPs away from the Labour Party to form a new group has been touted. Um, many times over the past few years of Corbyn's leadership and the interesting point that's made at the start of the article is that both kind of liberal media organs like The Economist Mm -hmm. and so on um, and the far left right Mm -hmm. this so-called both wanted to see this Mm -hmm. and I think the phrase used is like gleeful wishful thinking Mm -hmm. right this kind of thing Um, and I think that shows that that um, the left wanted this kind of to the understanding of transforming the Labour Party is about pushing these people out. Mm-hmm. Okay, cleansing the Labour Party. Yeah, and so that entails a, a certain understanding of what the Labour Party is and what mm-hmm. transforming it means, mm-hmm. um, which maybe doesn't quite deal with, you know, a certain other problems. It, it kind of hides other problems in a certain way. Um, what do you mean? Well, it hides this question that Pam was raising of, well, what is the character of saying that there's like a working class constituency to the Labour Party? So this is how the CPG, at least in the past, has explained its, its work within the Labour Party. It says, uh, let us focus on the Labour Party itself. Despite the grip of the pro-capitalist right and in particular the anti-democratic measures imposed by the Blairites, it basically retains its original structure as a party based on the trade unions and other working class affiliates. Mm-hmm. Right, the trade unions, all of them who are basically absolutely institutionalized into the Labour Party. And they, they defend this by saying that of course we need to defeat reformism within the unions, right? But that the unions themselves could be transformed. Mm-hmm. That they might be currently dominated by reformism, but that they can be won over to challenge, quote unquote, the system itself. Mm-hmm. Now, and what it appears then from the perspective of the left 
is that this crisis in the Labour Party is the same old crisis, this perennial struggle between left and right, between a working class base and a bourgeois leadership. Right. And that's why you get these, like, is it 1981 again, right, when the, um, the gang of four split from Michael Foote's left-wing Labour government, or Labour Party. Um, right. They definitely did not become the government. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was peak Thatcher reign. Um, or is it, you know, harkening back to the 60s? Is it even going back? Is it the same as the 20s again? Yes. Right? Um, and that does avoid talking about the crisis of neoliberalism and this specific political crisis that's really going on in both political parties in the UK. Right. Um, and, you know, one, another way that the Labour Party Marxist organisation have put it is that there used to be a two-way split in the Labour Party, right? A left versus right. And that now it's a three-way split that you've got a left-wing base and you've got a left-wing leadership, but you've got a right-wing parliamentary Labour Party in the middle. And mm. so it's kind of like trying to... Um, square the circle mm. of this kind of like, well, what does it mean to have a left-wing leadership, mm. but like um, Blairites in in Parliament, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, but those attempts to transform the Labour Party by pushing out the leadership, or by you know winning the fight against the right in Labour, have not actually led to the transformation of Labour into a socialist party. Um, they've kind of been subject to other political changes that are going on in capitalism. Mm. And that's why the, the 1960s example is interesting. You know, the young socialists and this attempt to transform the Labour Party um, in, in the early 60s and the, the struggle in the 1960 Labour Party conference over Clause 4 that we mentioned earlier. Right. Um, and... But ultimately what happened is it drew a bunch of people from the left into the Labour Party who all supported Harold Wilson in 1964, which is actually a kind of rightward moving aspect in the Labour Party, and which is to do with bigger changes in capitalism that were going on in the 1960s and other political crises um, that were happening then. So why do they think right now the left, right, and sort of this question of um, this departure, the split of the Blairites is a moment of opportunity, sort of the cleansing, sure, but beyond that, um, right, like what do they really foresee? Are they really thinking that this is a step in moving and turning into a socialist party? Um, or what, what is the real the rationale here of how this, where this is going? Mm. I mean, I suppose one thing is just that left-wing people will be in positions of power in the Labour Party, right, to take over the National Executive Committee, to have left-wing MPs, to have left-wing councillors, to have left-wing people running local branches. Um, and of course that leaves aside the question, the ambiguous question of what the left is and what, it, what this means to be left-wing. Um, but, but you don't sure. wait, but just the MPs to clarify because mm. it's confusing. So these seven seats in Parliament have just right. gone to another party. Does the Labour Party now gain seven seats that they can fill? No, because no. these are elections, right? Yeah. I mean, what, what might happen is that there'll be by-elections or these people will just lose their seats in 2022 
I mean, and they could just like disappear and the Labour Party could win those seats back. Okay. Um, but now they just sit as independent MPs. Okay. So this this characterization um, by the CPGB of Labour Party and the three-way split, a left base and a left leadership, mm-hmm. but this intermediary layer, this kind of bureaucratic power hold by the Blairites. Mm-hmm. It assumes a lot, I guess, about the character of a left within the Labour Party. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of this came out during that press conference when one of the MPs that split from the Labour Party said, we don't think that all problems are created by the West. Hmm. Uh, you know, he was right. he was referring to this kind of perspective of, of this anti-imperialist line right. that sometimes uh, some Labour Party people, including Corbyn, support. Mm-hmm. Um, in the lead up to the split, one of the things that precipitated it was that Corbyn hadn't, um, hadn't, hadn't made any declarations against Maduro in Venezuela. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, there was something about that that also revealed, right, what he means by the left. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't know to what extent or to what extent, I guess it's a question, is the left dealing with that character of what it means to be, quote unquote, on the left within the Labour Party? Like, it's just the working class, apparently, right? Or Well, but the other side to it is social justice, uh-huh. the progressivism, um, the, the welfare state stuff. And what's interesting is that obviously... Defend the NHS. Defend the NHS, mm-hmm. which are mm-hmm. all things that the... Blairites who have split would support, mm-hmm. right? They're right. anti-racists. They're for social justice. Mm-hmm. They want to defend the NHS. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So one interesting kind of point of difference in argument is this um, anti-imperialist character to the kind of politics that the Labour, the upsurge in Labour membership and momentum and Corbyn, mm-hmm. you know, is coming from. It's the in some ways the stop the war coalition is in office, right? Because Corbyn was you know Corbyn was the chair of the stop the war coalition, and his closest personal advisor now Andrew Murray was the chair after him. But haven't you heard he's an anti Semite? Right. (laughs) Well, you know, no doubt there's anti Semitism in society and and in the left, but I think that does avoid talking about the political crisis mm-hmm. yeah. um, and and that is a big talking point for the people who split and particularly Luciana Berger mm-hmm. um, who was the first MP to start speaking at the press conference uh, who who is Jewish um, but I think the left can also get fixated on this mm-hmm. um, in just upholding the opposite right which is to say, becoming obsessed with the right-wing witch hunt against leftists by smearing them as Mm anti-Semitism. And no doubt there is a, you know, it's a witch hunt. Um, But they can become fixated on this fighting the right and pushing the right out and, you know, passing out that middle right-wing part so that the two left base and top Mm -hmm. can kind of connect in Mm -hmm. in that image. So is this a change then? Is this a real change in British politics? Is it more of the same? Uh, what What do you think is going to happen? Well, we do seem to be in a you know a sort Lux. of purgatory. It's <laughs> <Lux>. like <laughs> yes. purgatory. Purgatory is <laughs> true. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where 
and and it's the same in in American politics where it feels like we're still in 2016 in a way. Yeah. Right. No one's yeah. got over what happened. It's the same SNL skits. The dust right. has not settled. Yeah. And so we're still, you know, this this split in the Labour Party. It's like we're still doing the Brexit crisis, and we're still doing Corbyn's election to the leadership of the Labour Party. Like again and again and again, yeah. and in on the concrete political level, we are still trying to pass a Brexit agreement, and so there is this kind of like impasse. But rain or shine, it's happening at the end of March, twenty nine, thirties of March. Well, I'm I'm not going to make uh, Prognosis. predictions. <laughs> Prognosis, um, though. I think what's you know what we were saying at the beginning about why this split's come about now, which is that Corbyn has actually tacked towards supporting a deal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is a sign, however difficult it might be, that actually Theresa May could get a deal through Parliament with Labour Party support. Mm-hmm. I mean, one caveat I'd add to that is that one interpretation of Corbyn's move there was actually to offer something that he knew Theresa May couldn't accept mm. um, in order to show that the Labour Party was serious about compromising, but the Tories weren't. Uh-huh. They want to represent the Tories as this hard right, like uncompromising um but so i don't know whether you know that deal will get passed but this moment is a kind of a signal that stuff's moving in that direction mm-hmm. that's precisely why these people left because they were like oh we're moving towards the labor party supporting a withdrawal agreement yeah. and we you know we want a second referendum whether a third party is going to emerge right because mm-hmm. that would yeah. be the change is mm-hmm. it the same old or the change yeah um I don't know. I doubt it. Mm. Um, there could be more. There's likely to be more people who will leave the Labour Party and join the independent group. Maybe one more, maybe two more, maybe a handful more. Possibly some Conservatives. Mm. Possibly they could merge with the Liberal Democrats. Um, because obviously the oh, crisis. Like the new Greens. No, I just was thought mm. about Germany and sort of the revival of the Greens in Germany in the recent shakeup, like sort of the centre weird center party that could sort of absorb a little bit of left and right wing votes that were kind of undecided or disaffected from the former parties mm. that they were in I mean, could have that effect mm-hmm. as one potential parallel and and the, cri- the crisis there affects all parties right i mean yeah. in, in that german context the the crisis of neoliberalism is affecting the spd dealing yeah. her the the conservative the party the cdu um and and in the UK, it's equally, and perhaps even it's expressing itself more in the Conservative Party. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is part yeah. of the kind of like illusion that the left has in the Labour Party, which is this, um, it becomes about this perennial fight of left and right Labour Party. If they stop, they're unable to think about Brexit and the crisis of neoliberalism because really the left has no uh, solution and no way, you know, it's, it itself is just a split on this. Mm-hmm. Tailing um, behind the Labour Party. Tailing behind the Labour Party. Um, so because the crisis is in all the parties that could mean this like third force emerging they become a party but actually I'm not sure I see that happening yeah Um, I do think though um, something that I heard on The Economist which is that even if the the political project for a third party fails right even if it doesn't work out that the political lines can move as a result of the attempt and so yeah, the question is whether or not they would move significantly, qualitatively, right, for the next general election, which is twenty twenty two. Yeah, unless there's a unless there's one called earlier, yeah, but that's the possible. next scheduled one. 
Yeah. I, one thing I would just add there is that, um, you know, in the 2017 general election, more people voted for one of the two main parties than right. Labour or Conservative than in any previous general election. Yeah. And you saw a total collapse of smaller third parties. Exactly. The UKIP and the Liberal Democrats and mm -hmm. the Greens. You might see Labour starting to... You saw Conservatives winning seats from the SNP in Scotland. Mm -hmm. We might start to see Labour gaining back again in Scotland. I mean, that would be an interesting question, what happens in Scotland. So there is actually a movement towards consolidating the two major parties. And obviously the left flooding back into the Labour Party is part of that. Yeah. And so it might not be um, a fracturing of politics, uh, but rather a reconsolidation of the two major forces. All right. That well, sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Efren. Thank for Efren. Thanks for having me. Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. This has been a production of the Platypus Affiliated Society. Platypus is an international membership-based group that organizes reading groups, public fora, research and journalism focused on problems and tasks inherited from the old, new, and post-political left for the possibilities of emancipatory politics today. Platypus also publishes articles by thinkers and activists on the left in the monthly publication, The Platypus Review. To contact, learn more about, or get involved with Platypus, and to access the entire back catalog of The Platypus Review, please visit us online at platypus1917.org. That's the word platypus, followed by the numerals 1917.org. without me letting like ending yeah 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 I'm it's always a mess at the ending it's there's no buys there's no we got copy paste laughter it's a whole shit <laughs> yeah. we're just all like
really rude. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, okay, like, great. You just have like a door slam. <laughs>